When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. It's Dan. This is our post-game football insider podcast featuring me, Mary Kay, Doug, Scott, Ellis, and Terry Pluto. Uh, if you want to get involved in these post-game shows, we do them every week. They're for our Football Insider subscribers, and, and all you have to do is go to cleveland.com slash browns. There's a big blue banner up at the top of the page. Click on that banner. You can get all the information you need. You can sign up, and this is just one of the perks. Of course, you get to read the exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns. Uh, you get to uh, get a daily newsletter every single day that has exclusive content from one of us that doesn't show up anywhere else on the site. And then, of course, there's our texting service uh, where you get texts from our Browns beat reporting team and you get a chance to be a part of our podcast, not just in these post-game shows, uh, but also every week we have a texter come on uh, to help us make our NFL picks. So, again, go to cleveland.com slash Browns, click on the blue banner at the top of the page to get involved. Now here's our post-game pod following the win over the Bengals. Hey everybody, it is the Browns post-game show on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby and kicking us off as always, Mary Kay Cabot joining me. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great, Dan. How are you doing? Doing well. Uh, that was an exhausting afternoon of football for, uh, for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, they come to Cincinnati and they get a win. Uh, barely, you know, look, it was ugly. You know, you hate that you only beat the Bengals by three points and, and the defense didn't look good, but we got to start with one place and there's really only one place to start. And that's the performance of their quarterback, Baker Mayfield. He yeah. was absolutely electric today yeah. after he started 0 for 5 completed 21 passes in a row, a franchise record. The only pat, the streak broke on a spike to stop the clock on what was a game winning drive. This was, um, you know, I know it was just the Bengals and, and I know this it, to me, it doesn't matter. This was kind of Baker Mayfield's big moment this season after a week of just, you know, getting piled on and, and rightly so after that performance against Pittsburgh. Yeah. I mean, you know, he always plays best when his back's against <laughs> the wall, right? I mean, he loves to just come out swinging uh, when nobody wants to believe in him anymore. And he took so much criticism nationally and locally. I wrote a column last week saying that he hasn't shown yet that he's the franchise quarterback. Well, the kinds of games that he had today, that's what you have to show. You have to show that you can get the ball in your hands with 106 left and no timeouts remaining and take the, the team down the field and throw the game winning touchdown pass. That's what you have to do to show that you can be this team's quarterback of the future. So that's a good step in the right direction for him. Like you said, he was on fire after that and, um, and uh, absolutely 100%. He was 
amazing. And I need to tweet some. I need to tweet something out here. So talk for a second, Dan. Absolutely. Uh, so Baker Mayfield, um, you know, had kind of, you know, I don't know if this is the best game we've seen him play necessarily, but to see him rally uh, the way that he did was so impressive because I'll be honest, that 0 for 5 start, uh, now he did have a drop from Kareem Hunt. Uh, so, we, you know, we have to count that uh, amongst that start, uh, but an 0 for 5 start and the interception to start the game, we knew he was playing with a cracked rib at that point. And frankly, you start to wonder like, not even performance-based, but just if he's hurt and he's not able to deliver the football, maybe you do have to just make that switch. I I think that was at least starting to creep into the back of my mind. And then he comes out and just absolutely puts that to rest with a performance like this, where Joe Burrow was relentless. I mean, Joe Burrow and that Bengals offense was relentless. And and I'm sure we'll talk about the defense at some point here uh, on the show, but this was a big 12 game, just back and forth over and over. And, and Baker Mayfield kept answering the call. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's incredible that he was able to complete 22 passes, straight passes. The odds of that are, are absolutely, uh, you know, minuscule. So for him to be able to do that, it was amazing. And he, um, you know, he absolutely got into the zone. I mean, he just got locked in. He had guys like Rashard Higgins uh, coming through for him. He had Donovan Peoples-Jones. He had Harrison Bryant. Austin Hooper's out with an appendectomy. And, uh, you know, he comes through. So, uh, you know, it was just uh, the kind of game that you needed to see from Baker Mayfield. And look, Odell Beckham Jr. could be lost for the season with a major knee injury. And this team pulled together in the absence of losing their best receiver on Baker Mayfield's first pass of the game. And they came back, pulled it together, and pulled this out uh, under, you know, some trying conditions. Hooper out, Nick Chubb out, Beckham Jr. out. And now they have to deal with going forward what probably is a very serious knee injury. And and that's the other piece of this, too, is, you know, they didn't know they were going to be without Odell Beckham Jr. That happened on the the first pass of the game. And they uh, didn't know until Friday they were going to be without Austin Hooper uh, because he has the appendectomy. And and they really didn't have any idea that they were going to have to to kind of manage. I mean, that was very last minute. Obviously, they had a couple days to prepare, at least, to not have Hooper. But, I mean, you're throwing guys into the fire. Baker's throws to David Njoku and then Donovan Peoples-Jones were probably two of the best throws he's made all year and throws that sort of looked like 2018 Baker. Of course, they came against the Bengals too, speaking of of 2018 Baker. Uh, But those were the types of throws that we got used to seeing Baker Mayfield make uh, over and over and over again, just punishing defenses with his accuracy. That's got to be the most accurate he's looked all season. Yeah, yeah, it, it really is. And again, as you mentioned, he he kind of, uh, you know, he he lights it up and shines against the Bengals. This was his fifth career victory against the Bengals in 17 victories. So he always, uh, the Bengals seem to be able to bring out the best in him. And also, uh, as, as I had mentioned to him, this was sort of a, you know, such a duel between him and Joe Burrow. And I think uh, Joe Burrow is going to be a major force to be reckoned with over the next, how many every year, the next decade or whatever. He is very very special. He was able to do this. He's a rookie. He is a rookie. And he was able to do this, losing his starting left tackle, losing his starting center, being without his starting running back. Uh, So he had some adversity as well. And until Baker took the field with 106 left, no timeouts, uh, I thought Joe Burrow had pulled this one off. I didn't think Baker was going to do that. I have not seen him do that enough, where he goes down and takes the team uh, down and scores the game-winning touchdown pass. I mean, he just hasn't done it enough. And uh, it was shades of, you know, rookie Baker. He was dancing afterwards. And uh, it was, you know, it was just what the Browns need to see from him. 
he what he needs to get his confidence back and what fans certainly need to see from him too. Yeah, I, I mean, my my postgame column was that this was one big sigh of relief for just everybody, for Baker, for the Browns, um, just, just for everybody involved, not just from the week that, that happened after that Pittsburgh game, but also just the start of this game. I mean, that first quarter, I'm starting to think, oh my gosh, they're going to lose this football game somehow. And, and then they rally. Baker starts to look like the Baker we expect him to be. And it, it really just felt like when Donovan Peoples-Jones made that catch. Now, look, Joe Burrow made it interesting. That Hail Mary had a chance. And, and credit to Sheldrick Redwine for, for being in the right place at the right time, standing right in front of A.J. Green uh, to make sure he couldn't grab that football. Um, but it was nerve-wracking. But it really just did feel like everybody had a chance to just breathe a sigh of relief. And now you're not going into this Raiders game next week. Uh, with, with two losses in a row, including what would have been a pretty brutal one to the Bengals, just the way they rallied. I really think it says something about this entire football team. Yeah, it really does. It's a well-coached team. I mean, you got to hand it to Kevin Stefanski. He's got this team at five and two. I mean, and they were on the ropes there, obviously. I mean, to be able to to come back with, again, with no timeouts and have that game-winning drive and to keep everybody together and to, and to use the clock effectively. Um, and, you know, that, that was just absolutely incredible. And, Big picture wise at five and two, I mean, they're, they're, they're on pace. They're on a, on a good pace to make the playoffs this season. They still have a lot of winnable games. And again, um, you know, I know I question Baker Mayfield as the franchise quarterback, but if he continues to progress in the scheme and the system like this over his last 10 games, he has a chance to say, yes, I am the franchise quarterback and look what I can do. And I think that's so vitally important for this football team. Yeah. And look, we will we'll admit he's got to do it, you know, against teams besides the Bengals, but this is who they had in front of them and he performed and he got the job done and he really was in control of that football game on the offensive side for the last three quarters with, with 21 completions in a row. Now we do have to talk about uh, the piece of bad news, of course, and that's Odell Beckham was injured on the first pass of the game. Uh, and this is sort of developing as we're sitting here talking, but you know, I know you just tweeted out as we're talking that uh, you can confirm Odell Beckham is feared to have suffered a major knee injury. We won't know for sure until Monday. Maybe by the time folks listen to this pod, we'll, we'll have some answers, but uh, we, we don't right now. But, uh, you know, that's that's the downer here. You know, Odell Beckham, for all, all the time we've spent talking about the chemistry with Baker and, and how it's always been a little bit off here and there, you still are a worse team if you don't have Odell Beckham for the balance of this season. Yeah, I mean, he, he's, you know, the number one read most of the time. He is your number one option. He has, uh, you know, been the, the go-to guy in the clutch uh, so often. And, uh, and this is, it's huge. I mean, there, you know, it, it was supposed to be Odell and Jarvis, and he's your deep threat. You know, he is your fast, speedy, deep threat receiver. Uh, so they're going to have to have, I mean, Donovan Peoples-Jones is going to have to step up. Uh, I, you know, I don't know if they're going to have to look around and maybe, uh, try to trade for somebody or get uh, come up with a player in some other way, uh, but to lose him potentially for the season. And it sounds to me, I just got it confirmed a little bit ago that uh, it sounds like it's a very serious injury. They're going to confirm it tomorrow with an MRI. But if you're, if we're finding out that tonight it is serious, then uh, you know, you can pretty much bet that he's probably out for the season could be an ACL could be facing surgery and uh, that's just not what you want in a, in a year that you are probably going to go to the playoffs. Here they are. They finally have a chance to make the postseason. And now they might have to do it 
without, uh, they'll probably have to do it without Odell. Yeah, and, and he's really the guy that, that stretches the field. Like you said, he's the guy that reliably stretches the field for this team. Um, you know, I know they have other guys. Look, Rashard Higgins stepped up today. Donovan Peoples-Jones had that huge cap, but we just don't know what Donovan Peoples-Jones is long-term, right? Maybe he steps in and he becomes that guy that can stretch the field a little bit like, you know, when they stumbled across Rashad Perriman a couple of years ago. Um, that, that's a guy that he's not Odell Beckham, but he was able to stretch the field and, and give Baker a downfield target. So, you know, we'll see what they do. Um, we'll, we'll see how they approach this. They have some guys that can step up like Higgins, but I, I do think there's going to come a point this season, you know, whether it's next week or eight weeks from now or wherever, where, where you do really miss having Odell Beckham out on the field. Yeah. I mean, it changes your game. I mean, it really changes your game teams game plan to stop him. And if you don't have him uh, you know, there'll be a lot of teamwork, but it, you know, you also don't have, uh, a, you know, two super fearsome receivers like you do when you've got Jarvis and Odell and he can do so many other things. He can throw the ball. He can run reverses. We've seen all of that already this year. He's such a huge, humongous part of the game plan. Uh, so this is really, really, it's really sad too, because I remember when I talked to him last year, he said 2020 was, um, he expected it to be the best year of his life. And it has been really sad to see, you know, so many things have gone wrong for him. And this would just be a horrible way uh, to end his season. And I, I just, uh, I, you know, my heart goes out to him. All of us, you know, we enjoy covering him and, you know, prayers up for Odell, you know, just from a humanity standpoint, anybody uh, who is associated with him just hates to see this happen. Uh, let's go back to Baker just real quick. Um, Somebody in the chat said this, and, and I think it's uh, I think it's a good point. This was a statement game for Baker, right? I, I mean, is that a fair thing to say? That uh, again, even though it was against the Bengals, whatever, it, it doesn't matter who's who it's against. You won the game. You let a game-winning drive. Joe Burrow played great, and, and you had to answer him every time. This does feel like a statement game from Baker Mayfield. Yes, and he needed to have a statement game. Again, he needed it. Look, I mean, when you have the whole entire world calling for your job. Uh, a lot nationally and some locally, people wondering who you are and what you are and what you have deep down inside of you. You have to come out and show it. You have to show who you are. And Joe Burrow, was he going to let Joe Burrow prove uh, that, that he is the quarterback of the future in this AFC North or one of them? Uh, you know, here, this, here was this duel with two Heisman Trophy winners, two young quarterbacks in the AFC North. Baker needed to step up and say, oh, no, I'm not going to let Joe, uh, you know, just be the guy in this game. I'm going to come out here. I'm going to plant my flag. I'm going to show you guys who I am and what what I can do. And, you know, take that, you know, ESPN and take that uh, Colin Coward, take that local media, too. I mean, you know, he he works best like this when his back is against the wall. And, I, you know, I actually was shocked that he was able to go down there and do what he did with 106 left. I, I'm still in disbelief when I saw the amount of time left and no timeouts I just didn't think he was going to be able to do it because I haven't seen it enough and I remember when Miles Garrett wasn't showing enough as the number one overall pick I, I wrote about it I talked about it we've talked about it on our podcast that he needed to do more show more step up and be amazing and that's what Baker was today and you know listen but before I let you go here Doug jumped in I, I think Scott might have jumped in here as well too um for the folks in, in the chat, I mean, there are, they're kind of arguing over this statement thing. Um, there's varying degrees of it. Okay. 
look, eventually he's going to have to make that statement when he plays Pittsburgh and when he plays Baltimore and when he plays the best of the best. But the reality is today on a day when the defense couldn't stop anybody and the Browns, frankly, you know, because of that defensive performance probably didn't necessarily deserve to win this game. Baker Mayfield was just better. He elevated everyone else. He elevated Richard Higgins. He elevated Donovan Peoples-Jones and Harrison Bryant. And it was Baker Mayfield that made the, that great throw to David Njoku, made that great throw to Donovan Peoples-Jones. I, I don't care if it's against St. Ignatius. Those were big boy throws and, and they matter. Yeah, and, and you know, that's one thing I had been saying and other people had been saying too. Sometimes you have to be the reason that your football team wins the game. It doesn't always have to be that way because they have a good uh, supporting cast around them. They have defense, a defense that get take, gets takeaways. They've got a really good running game. He doesn't have to carry the team every week. But sometimes, sometimes the ball has to be put in your hands and you have to go down and you have to win the freaking game. And that's what he did today. And I'm sure we'll probably see more of that, but hopefully for him and the Browns, this is a, the start of something good for him. Okay, Mary Kay, we'll let you go. Uh, I've seen you looking at your phone. I know you've got to uh, do some work here and I'll talk to you in a little bit. Okay, thanks a lot. All right, and we are bringing on uh, Scott Patsko and Doug Maurice, as you can probably see on your screen. We'll start taking some uh, questions from all of you as well. I think I might have to make Scott and Doug uh, co-hosts here if I can find them on our, on our little thing. But uh, yeah, some of you arguing um, about the word statement. And so as I, as I get these guys unmuted and ready to go, I'm going to ask what they think about that as well, because I do believe this was, again, it's varying degrees, uh, varying levels of statements. And I thought this was a statement from Baker Mayfield today that kind of like Mary Kay said, you, you won because of him. It wasn't just winning with him. It was winning because of him. So Doug, what do you think? Is, is statement game too strong? I don't care that they won. If Donovan Peoples-Jones drops that pass in the end zone on the last play, it went between a Bengals guy's arms. He's a rookie who's sixth-round receiver. If he drops that pass and they don't win, I would feel no different about today. They won, I thought, by not dying. Weren't Who thought Baker Mayfield was about to be benched? Who we thought... You already go. <laughs> well, well, no, it's funny you say that because Mary Kay and I talked about it. I mean, he's 0 for 5. We know he's got a cracked rib. And it's not even like, oh, they've got to get Baker out of there because he's terrible. It was more like this guy is hurt. Clearly, something's not right. I think they probably should just go to Case Keenum for the rest of this game. I, I certainly had that thought in the first quarter. But we know this town, this group of media, this the you you wouldn't have been able to do that if Case Keenum came in and was good and they won with Case Keenum. And it, it, that's where it was. It was on the precipice. And I'm somebody who thinks it's crazy to even consider anything about Baker for another year and a half. This was on the precipice. And they pulled it back from the edge. And then, by the way, cherry on top with 106 to play, no timeouts, Without their best running back, best receiver, best offensive lineman, and best tight end, they marched down the field and won. I wouldn't have cared if he had come out and thrown three incompletions to start that drive, and they lose. Joe Burrow is the real deal. There's no more waiting for Joe Burrow to be good. He's good right now. He came back from the dead, and his teammates gave him the chance to come back from the dead. So it's not a state like it's not a statement win. It's a statement like we fight together. We support each other we have each other's backs baker 
you stink right now. So Denzel Ward's going to save touchdowns and Miles Garrett is going to get strip sacks. And we're going to give you a chance to come back from the dead. I ought to, if they were four and three right now, but they had done everything except the, the people's Jones catch. I'd be saying the exact same things because what today did more than the win was make you believe they can win. So maybe you don't win today, but I, I feel differently. And I've been, I have not wavered on Baker. I feel differently about the next month from where I was when they were 0 for 5. And I thought this was on the edge of falling apart. Scott, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I totally agree, actually. I wrote about Baker uh, for my uh, post right at the end of the game. And it was basically about how he, you know, we've been talking all week about him and he sure looked fine today. And I don't think that would have changed at all if, if they lost this game. It was, it was the fact that uh, everything just seemed to be working offensively. I think what they scored like five straight uh, drives before that touchdown at the end. So the fact that, that he was able to bounce back and do it so well. And I agree with Doug, like after that 0 five start, it's like, it's 0 five, it's an interception. It's, it's the cracked rib news breaking all of a sudden. And it just seemed like we hit rock bottom with the Browns quarterback situation. And, you know, I'd like to see a graph that starts with the Colts game and goes to today. Cause it would just start real high and then we just take this huge dip <laughs> And then all of a sudden, you know, up through the, you know, down here, way at the bottom through the first quarter today, and then just zooms back up. It was just pretty incredible that, that he got back to that point. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, again, I think whether they won or lost this game, I don't know if that's the big thing. I think they're, they're fortunate to have escaped defensively. They got some issues to deal with, but uh, I think if you're looking at this offense and Baker Mayfield in particular, you got to feel pretty good whether they won it or not. All right, we have a, uh, a question here. I'm going to go to Bud, who's got his hand raised. I'm going to be asked to unmute when you get that prompt. Uh, you should be able to unmute yourself and go ahead with your question, Bud. Okay, yeah, thank you. Yeah, I agree. This, this was big because it's a confidence builder. But I have, I have two questions for the panel. Did you notice, did you get the feed? Uh, the announcers seemed highly prejudiced towards Cincinnati. Am I wrong there? I never listen to announcers. I cannot answer that. You don't. Okay. I just don't. We're out here in Santa Clara, San Jose, and oh, we were just shaking our heads at these announcers. They were like getting up excited when Cincinnati scored. They're like jumping up and down. Listen, those guys do the Browns all the time. Those guys do the Browns all the time. They must have done the Browns four or five times this year. They know the Browns really well, which means you know their faults. And it's easy to get excited about Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is the new car on the line. Exactly. So, and Baker's kind of like, Baker's the three-year-old model who was pretty good (laughs) when he was the new car on the lot. And now he's got a couple scratches on him. So I understand them being excited about Joe. Okay. So, so Bud, what what did you think of the game? Pardon me? Uh, Go ahead. Oh, we were nervous uh, at the sports bar, man. We were just, it was like a heart attack. Um, but you know, so, you know, such great clutch catches, as you said, with Peoples Jones, the, and Higgins, the, the question, the other question I have, why didn't they run better? Is Cincinnati's defensive line that good? It seems like they really could never get like a four or five yard runoff. Uh, they, they had a couple of good runs here and there. Um, but I, you know, it seemed like they really wanted to, uh, to attack through there. And look, Baker was, uh, Baker was as good as we've seen him all season. Uh, so I, I think they wanted to go through the air. I, I think it's, you know, they didn't have Nick Chubb, obviously, as, as Doug has mentioned. I don't think Kareem Hunt is 100%. He's popping up on the injury report with a new injury every single week. Um, I mean, it, it was, a, what, a groin at one point. It was a thigh this week. It was So he's clearly not 
a hundred percent, but you know, they, they got some chunk runs, but I think they felt like the way to attack this team was, was probably through the air. He was, he was over four and four yards of carry, but I think like when he went out of the game, Dernish Johnson got one carry. And I think after that, they thought we could not count on him. So all of a sudden Jarvis Landry became like the second option, uh, especially uh, that one touchdown drive in the first half. Uh, he got the ball. I think he think he touched it five times on that drive. I mean, Landry, uh, if I'm remembering what I wrote, uh, gained like 44 yards out of the 75 <laughs> on that drive. So he was like the, the second option behind Kareem Hunt, uh, it seemed. It didn't really keep going the rest of the game, but it, it, it was clear that when Hunt got tired, they, they really didn't want to turn to, to Johnson. Yeah, that was a that was a strange series uh, where, where you're going to Jarvis Landry, who's also playing with a, a broken rib, uh, exposing to a lot of hits. But he did get a key first down on that, along with that big catch. And then he also had you know, look, he threw the ball again. He's two for two throwing the football this season. So uh, Jarvis Landry making his case to maybe be the backup quarterback. Now, Ellis, we're bringing you on uh, also sitting here in Cincinnati. Uh, I, I want to go back to something Mary Kay and I talked about. And I asked Scott and Doug this. Uh, some folks in the chat arguing a little bit about this, the word statement game. Was this a statement game from Baker Mayfield? Uh, that's oh, that's, a long, that's a long pause. No, that's an interesting way to frame it. I'll, I'll set it up saying this. Um, what an emotional roller coaster an NFL game is. Um, this is a, a great example of Baker Mayfield's first throw and the bookend of his last throw. They, they, they were the same exact play. The, the Browns are going to try and take a shot deep vertically down the right sideline. And on the first time he tried it, it's an interception and underthrow and inside to Odell Beckham. And the second time it, it wins them the game. And that is, was Baker Mayfield's journey today. Um, you have to give him a ton of credit because you play the game and you could fold. Uh, Doug asked it in the presser. Is, is that a moment where you have an opportunity to fold? And, and Baker did the opposite. They stepped up. Um, I, I wrote about the fact that I thought Kevin Stefanski today did a great job scheming up players getting open uh, across the middle, uh, whether it was Harrison Bryant, uh, Higgins at times operating in the slot. They used some stack uh, receiver looks to get these guys open. Uh, and then Kareem Hunt, his touchdowns, an example of that. Just good scheme to get his guys open. But you can't protect your quarterback with scheme when the game's on the line with a minute to play and no timeouts needing – to go 75 yards to win. You can't protect him there. Scheme doesn't do it. You have to make the plays. That first snap, Baker Mayfield, they, they send pressure, they send a blitz. Baker makes a play, and then the rest is history. And so you have to give Baker a lot of credit here in the way that he steps up versus a defense that he is really good at having success against. I want to let you all know if you want to join in and, and ask a question, someone actually just raised their hand. You just use that raise hand function, click on participants. It should be down along the bottom of the page there. Uh, if you're on your phone, there should be three dots down on the bottom that should allow you, or uh, there might be a participants button now uh, that will allow you to raise your hand. So I'm going to go to um, Stephen, but I do want to ask uh, at one point, Scott, we're going to come back to this. So if I forget, remind me, you talked about Denzel Ward on got to watch the tape this week. So we've got to spend some time on Denzel Ward. Uh, but first, let me get to some of these raised hands. We'll go to Steven. Um, I'm going to ask you to unmute. And once you get that prompt and unmute, you can go ahead. Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for taking my call or my Zoom, I guess. Um, <laughs> so when um, so when OBJ went out um, with, you know, you got Peoples, Jones, and Higgins kind of stepping up. Did you see anything different in the way the Browns ran their route combinations 
um, with Higgins and the tight ends and, uh, and people's Jones. Cause it looked like Baker had a little more confidence in back shoulder throws, especially to Higgins. Uh, I think they had a couple I think they had two, like 21 year passes back to back um, to Higgins on that kind of combination. So is there like, you know, when OBJ goes out, are the Browns adjusting to do something different with their wide receivers or are they running the same thing? It sounds like it's going to be an Ellis post on like Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah, Did, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great question and one that the All-22 tape will watch. Off the top of my head, uh, you nailed it with your your uh, take on Richard there. And, and Kevin Stefanski said in the post-game presser that these two just have a chemistry that's undeniable at this point. Um, that's all the back shoulder throw is, is, is trust in, in a slightly bigger receiver. You know, Richard's got some size on Odell there. Um, but I, I can't think of a back shoulder fade that or ball in general that OBJ and Baker have connected on and Higgins and Baker do it on back-to-back plays. So I think that is a complete trusting with Baker and Higgins. Um, but as for the route combinations, I think Odell would have had success getting open, crossing the field at times. Uh, he was open on that first vertical route deep and, and Baker just threw it inside. So I think Odell would have had success in this game. I don't think um, in the confines of a game, you can really change your route combinations up just because one player gets hurt. You come in and you run, you know, down to people's Jones or Higgins are running the routes. Odell would have ran. I'm just not sure Baker goes to Odell in the Higgins role because of that lack of chemistry. Doug, what do you think of Higgins today? Here's my official apology to Rashard Higgins. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I underrated you. I'm sorry if I was if I wrote you off as maybe you know just a guy. My apologies here to Rashard Higgins. But I guess this goes a little bit with what you wrote, Doug. Um, I just think it says a lot about this football team that here's a guy in Higgins who we know what happened last year, but even this year, inactive for a good chunk of the the first part of the season. And then he shows up and he, you know plays really well in Dallas, makes a bunch of big catches today. I think that's I think it says something about this team and and this coaching staff that they're getting these contributions from these guys. No offense, Dan, but nobody cares what you think. I know. So <laughs> it's not about you writing Rashard Higgins off. It's about this coaching staff writing Rashard Higgins off for the first couple games of the year. They could have had him active. I'm not going to give them too much credit for hanging with him. They're playing Kaderil Hodge over him. Well, I mean, I, what, and, and Freddie didn't play him last year. So there, nobody on this panel is apologizing for anything because we are not in charge of Rashard Higgins playing time. But it sure seems like that maybe there have been times over the years when guys have played ahead of him and days like today make you say, why is that the case? So congratulations to the Browns for figuring that out out of desperation <laughs> because there's nobody else healthy to play. But Ellis talked about it. We've all seen it. He and Baker have a connection. It feels like this guy should be on the field more. And I hope going forward from this, he stays on the field. Because, Dan, I mean, you're, you, we should have doubted him. Everybody should have doubted him because Kevin Stefanski doubted him and didn't put him on the field. He had the two biggest catches of the game. I mean, uh, on that last drive, the one where he had to go low and then the, 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 the jump ball. I mean, you, you don't make those. They, they might not win. Those are just They were just huge. And nobody can take those away from them. Not even Dan. <laughs> I'm going to try though. Oh, I'm going to watch that tape and I'm going to try. <laughs> you know, I think the thing with Higgins though, has always been like, he's not the fastest guy. He's not the most athletic guy. He's not going to blow you away with, with the traits in that receiving room. 
And then what does he do? He just goes out and catches the football. We're going to have Terry Pluto on here a little bit later, and he'll, uh, he'll spend a lot of time talking about Rashard Higgins. Uh, three raised hands here in the chat, so I'm going to start here with Hayden. I'm going to ask you to unmute, and when you do that, you can go ahead. Go ahead, Hayden. Hey, this is, uh, this is kind of two questions here, but one of them, the first one is, is Baker Mayfield a better quarterback when Odell is not on the field? <laughs> Going back to his rookie year, he sat back in the pocket. He would tear up Carolina, Atlanta, whoever, when Odell was not on the – Odell wasn't on the team, and he had Jarvis and Richard. But ever since, uh, he hasn't been, been like that. But today he showed that when Odell went out. So I don't know if – Odell's in Pass. Next question. <laughs> that's, that's breaking our brains. Listen, here's the reality, right? Maybe Mary Kay is reporting he has a serious knee injury. We're not going to get ahead of ourselves. It's possible Odell Beckham just played his last snap as a Cleveland Brown. He is a supremely talented receiver. And if he can't play the rest of the season, it feels like they'll be fine without him. The deep, the deep connection stuff of, does it feel like Baker is better without a supremely talented receiver on the field? I am like afraid to go down that road. Ellis will go down. Ellis doesn't care what people think. <laughs> but you, you might be right. But I think it maybe doesn't matter whether it's true or not, because I think possibly that the decision has been made in the worst possible way for everybody involved. So we might get to pass on that answer because if it seems like this guy might be really hurt. I've actually thought about this and how, like, like what he said uh, previously before Odell showed up, Baker could, Baker had one guy he knew was the number one guy to throw to. And that was Landry. Landry played really well before Odell showed up. Now he's got two guys who he kind of has to keep happy so you take Odell out of that equation and you can go to Landry as much as you want. Higgins isn't going to get upset. Nobody's going to talk about how Rashard Higgins doesn't get in the ball, you know, or people's Jones or Kadero Hodge or whoever Jarvis Landry can be your number one receiver. And that's fine. You don't have this Odell thing hanging out there. Like, Oh, why didn't Odell get enough targets today? But then that feels like every game that since Odell's been here, that's been a thing that you have to think about, okay, are these guys getting enough targets individually? And again, you take Odell out of that today and, you know, Higgins steps up and nobody's really concerned about who had what as far as targets or catches go. I think there's something to that, maybe subconsciously. And the fact that you are clear on who your number one guy is, but I don't know that taking Odell off the field necessarily makes you a better quarterback. Yeah, for me, I think this is, has a lot more to do with the pairing of Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. than it does have to do with specifically Baker and OBJ's connection. With, the reason I say that is Richard and OBJ are just two very different receivers. They bring very different skill sets to the field, but Jarvis and Odell are pretty similar receivers outside of Odell being a you know, better separator, more quick twitch. You know, they're both about 5'10", maybe 5'10 and a half. Uh, they're not going to be the, the body throwers, the body catchers, and they don't, there's a reason Baker enjoys throwing to the tight end. It, it gives you more radius to be inaccurate with your throw. Not that Baker's an accurate thrower. There's just a, you know, a sense of comfort that comes with a quarterback when you know your guy can make those body catches. Jarvis and Odell aren't those receivers. 
And with those two dominating the, the two wide receiver snaps, you take that type of possession and trust receiver off the field. So I think it's more of that Jarvis and Odell never really made sense on the same team than it did this being specifically about Odell and Baker Mayfield. Can I tell you, to me, the answer to that question is Donovan Peoples-Jones and what he does. Not that he's going to be Odell Beckham, nope. but the reason I say that is because I harken back to 2018. I just use the word harken. It's like it's Christmas time. <laughs> uh, in 2018, the Browns rescued Brashard Perryman off the scrap heap. And he's not Odell Beckham, but he was a legitimate down the field threat for this team when it, when it came to passing the football. And I thought that was a big deal. And I thought that was something the Browns needed with that offense. Can Donovan Peoples-Jones not be Odell Beckham? Can he be a downfield threat? Somebody who can stretch the field, who can be really fast, who can make some plays down the field. He doesn't have to have 100 yards every game. But can he just be a guy that defenses have to pay attention to to take the top off? Because I do think you lose that. I mean, it was the second game against Cincinnati when Odell had that big catch down the sideline, you know, a deep ball. They don't really have another deep threat on this roster. And so let's see if Donovan Peoples-Jones can at least be some sort of deep threat for this team, which is a big ask, but, but let's see if he can do that. I don't think he can. I think if you look at the touchdown catch, I think Donovan Peoples-Jones caught it by accident. <laughs> I, I have not watched Donovan Peoples-Jones play a snap this season where it didn't feel like the NFL was too fast for him. And I think we are going to be in a spot a couple weeks from now. Higgins, more Higgins, good. Landry as the number one guy, fine. If we end up in a world where it's like you're expecting Donovan Peoples-Jones to replicate anything Odell does, I think we're going to be in a spot in a couple weeks, the same place we are right now. And anybody who thought that the Ernest Johnson was going to replicate anything <laughs> that Nick Chubb did, you're going to notice it. So it's not replacing Odell. It's having other guys. But I, I actually uh, – I was high on Donovan Peoples-Jones when they drafted him. I have not been high on him through seven games. I, I think when this team, I think when this team's healthy, the three wide will be in no particular order: uh, Landry, Higgins, Cordero, Hodge, and, and that's you know you can have Hodge hopefully be your field stretcher there. But I agree. In Beckham's absence, they got to find somebody. All right, Terry Pluto has jumped in as well, and we had a Rashard Higgins mention right as he jumped in. Right. Uh, but Actually, Terry... <laughs> Dan, uh, the interesting thing is, I I was thinking the same thing about Perryman. Not the it's not the comparison to Odell, but when they got Perryman, Dorsey told me they basically told him one thing: run as fast as you can down the sideline, and we'll throw it to you. And that was his job. And actually, you know, then later on he made some other catches. Uh, and that could be something maybe Peoples Jones does. I'm a little bit with Doug because it does seem like uh, even when he catches it, it it's kind of like a, he's surprised too. But the fact is, you know, he did catch three balls today. And so I'm, I'm curious, you know, to see what goes forward. But one thing I do think that having these guys, because I think Ellis made a good point about Odell and uh, Jarvis sort of being the same size. Um, but the, the thing that I – there's almost like a sense of order now, you know, Jarvis is kind of your number one guy and Higgins is a possession receiver. And I love to throw the tight end tight ends like Baker. I can just throw them anytime I want to, you know, receivers. And that was kind of how it was back in, in 2018. I mean, we, we hearken back to there, but that's the Baker Mayfield we want to see uh, who was playing free and easy, just spotted somebody open and threw it to him, especially Hollywood. All right, I want to get to one of these raised hands again. I think Keith has had his hand up here for a while. I'm going to ask you to unmute. You can go ahead. 
uh, as soon as you do that. Uh, hello, guys. I was trying to figure out if you were noticing, like I am lately, Cody Parkey is beginning to bother me. I have a big <laughs> problem with him missing that extra point. If Joe Burrow would have had any time left, he definitely would have drove them within field goal range. That's number one. The second point, I mean, I like to applaud Coach Stefanski, the excellent clock management under two minutes left when Cincinnati had the ball. He called his final timeout when they had approximately 60-something seconds left, which proved vital because they scored immediately and gave us some possibility to march down the field. Yeah, I, th I thought this was a really well-managed game by Kevin Stefanski. And, I, and, you know, I thought early in the game, you know, he, he got a little too cute, got a little too Freddie Kitchens a couple times. Um, but, you know, like Scott mentioned, maybe that was sort of trying to protect Kareem Hunt a little bit uh, and, and find somebody else to run the football. But I thought his the way he managed the game at the end to make sure they got the ball back with plenty of time was good. Uh, I thought the way he adjusted was really good. And frankly, his composure, his kind of ability to, to be unflappable, I just think it, it trickles down to this team. And, and I think that... I think these guys take on that personality a little bit. The Cody Parkey element, I think of all the concerns this team has <laughs> coming out of today, I think that's the least of it. I mean, that was really, is that the first kick he's missed? Yes, it is, Dan. And yeah. Parkey is known as a guy that is very hot for a while and then goes cold. I think this is his fifth team. It's at least his fourth. And, and that's it. So you, you know what they do? You sort of ride these guys. It's almost like one of these kind of marginal relievers. Uh, you ride them until they are no good. Then you find another guy. But um, right now, uh, I'm not, I'm with you. I'm, I don't have a big problem with Cody Parkey uh, uh, kicking because now I know there's some concern on his kickoffs. He doesn't have as strong a leg as Cybert. Somebody from the Browns was telling me that. But Cybert couldn't kick field goals. So what good is it? I mean, you have to kick the ball through the uprights. That's job number one. But keep in mind, though, there's a reason he's been with several teams. And when he starts to go cold, he's going to start – I mean, that one year in the playoffs, he kept hitting the, the, the upright like four times in three games or something for, uh, I think it was the Bears a few years ago. Double doink. Ellis, you were going to say yeah. something? Yeah. I, since we're talking about the kicking game, it, it brings me to one more point about make, Baker Mayfield I want to make. That is something that you can't teach in a player, the aggressiveness, the confidence to go down there and win the game. Um, there's plenty of quarterbacks who would have played for the field goal who would have been comfortable with this team kicking a 40, 35 yard uh, kick to get to overtime and, you know, say the quarterback did their job. Uh, Baker had a 10.6 yards per completion today. Um, that's the type of stuff that whether Baker makes it or not, it, he has a, a skill set you can't teach in his aggressiveness, his, his undying confidence to just, win the game in that situation. I, I thought that was incredibly impressive to take the game out of your the kicker kicking game and go win it yourself. Okay, uh, Tyson, I do see your hand up, but but I want to get to something I promise because I think we have to spend some time talking about this guy. And Scott, we'll let you go first because again, he was a topic on uh, the Friday edition, I believe, of Gotta Watch the Tape. Denzel Ward today looked like the number four pick in the draft. And I think Denzel has been really good this year. I know he got beat you know, kind of gambling in Pittsburgh last week. Uh, but I think Denzel has been really good. He fought through a block. He did that in Dallas to a similar play where he fought through a block and, and made a play. Uh, he tipped the ball that B.J. Goodson intercepted. Uh, had, had a really great pass break. I thought it was a, a drop by A.J. Green in the end zone, but it ended up being a great play by Denzel Ward. He just 
his size doesn't ever, ever really seem to be an issue. Scott, tell us a little more about Denzel Ward. What did you think today? Yeah, you know, after that first drive, I almost texted Doug and Ellis and said, pay the man. Uh, you know, if, <laughs> when it comes time to negotiate a contract or an extension, I'm taking video of that first drive in with me if I'm Denzel. That was, uh, he did a little bit of everything there. And then later he had the, the pass breakup against Green. Um, and I think we even got into his size a little bit on the podcast. And I mean, twice he, he got up and, and caused problems on what were basically jump balls and uh, knocked them away. Um, you know, he... He's had, he's given up the four touchdowns was really dragged down like grading. And, and I think how we perceive him this year, he's done, he's had a good season. We had some debate on whether it's number four overall pick good. And if he's reached that level, but um, today was a good game for him. And the first game against the Bengals was, might've been the first game, the best game for him before today. Uh, he had three pass breakups in that game. He was targeted like 10 times. Uh, and the Bengals got four catches on him. They had the touchdown. It was like on a pick play, but uh yeah, I mean, he, he played really well, and I think that was the kind of game you want to see consistently from him. And, and really, when it comes down to how much he's going to get paid, it's whether or not he can have games like this consistently. Doug? Can, I say, can I say Sashi Brown stuff? Do I need it's, to mute Doug? <laughs> it's just one of those things. All the misery, all the misery, all the misery. This is why. This is why. And then when you live through the misery and you get the first overall pick and you make trades and you wind up with the fourth overall pick, if they don't hit, then it's like, why, what did we do that for? But a day like today where Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward kept the Browns in the game to let Baker Mayfield get it going, this is why. They're playing like it. So, yeah, I mean, I agree with Scott. Maybe this was a payday. I, I said maybe it's a payday for Denzel Ward. When, when Baker completed the pass to David Njoku, I said that was Baker – denying David and Joku's trade request. And maybe the pass to Donovan Peoples Jones was the fifth year option, baby. All the paperwork is done. That's what today was about. Listen, this hat, like it happened a day, like today, the, the guys who were supposed to be really good were really good. And you won a game. The Browns won a game. They probably could have lost, should have lost because their stars played like stars. Uh, Terry, uh, I'll say, I'll say this. I think it took some guts to maybe take Denzel Ward number four, not because he's not good, but because the easy play there would have been Bradley Chubb, right? Pass rusher, pair him with Miles Garrett. Everybody values the edge rusher. But, you know, the cornerback position is arguably as important as an edge rusher. It kind of depends who you talk to, honestly. Some people say edge rusher, some people say corner. Um, I, I thought that was sort of a, a gutsy pick as well. Um, so not just... This is sort of the embodiment of that, that photo people used to put up of LeBron and, and Dwayne Wade, LeBron throwing that alley-oop and they put Sashi's head on one and Dorsey's head on the other. Uh, the, this, this pick was sort of the embodiment of that. It was, you know, they get that because of the, was it the, the Sean Watson trade? I believe it was. Don't act like you don't know. You're going to give, uh, let's give. Well, I couldn't remember if it was Brock or Deshaun. Oh, how did they get that extra pick out of nowhere? You know how they got it. You know, right. Doug, I'm talking, Doug, I'm Doug, talking to Terry. Can I make Doug happier? Can, <laughs> can, can I make Doug happy? Yes. Can I make Doug happy? It was a trade that actually I understood right away because of a lot of the NBA background. Nick Chubb is the product of the Brock Oswald, let's right. take $15 million thing. And then it was the product of uh, John Dorsey, who uh, took this guy. who he, he had a major knee problem a couple of years earlier in his career at Georgia. Both the um, – uh, the pick of uh, Chubb and Ward were, you know, considered controversial. Actually, so was Austin Corbett. 
I think Corbett's starting for the Rams. Yeah, he, he is. Somehow. Like, okay, not that he's hey, great. Cam, he's okay. Cam Irving. Cam Irving is still starting somewhere. Yeah, well, Cam. Cam well, <laughs> John, Ray Farmer says thank you, Dad. Uh, <laughs> but in terms of, I, I am with Doug on that. You see some of the stuff paying off, and uh, Dorsey told me that he just felt if he could get a cornerback where I don't have to worry about it for four or five years, we could put him on the best receiver. Um, he goes, I even think that's harder to find than uh, that really good defensive end. He told me that one time we we're just kind of talking casually. All right, let's, uh, we got a hand up here. Let me, uh, let me get to this. Oh, wait, I think he just put it down. I guess Tyler doesn't want to talk to us anymore. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, if you do want to talk to us still, Tyler, you can go ahead and raise that hand again and we'll, uh, we'll bring you on. There he is. He found it. Uh, and I actually said, Tyler, it's Tyson. Uh, go ahead, Tyson, as soon as you unmute. Fire away. Okay. I've been I've been called worse usually by my wife, so no problem. Um, I was just gonna say to me this game was about hope because I don't want to see Case Keenum play. I know what Case Keenum is, but I, I was kind of watching the season go down, thinking about how uh, watching the 0-16 season. But you have to find out if Baker's the guy. So now I can watch these last games of the season, possible playoff run, and feel like maybe he is the guy because before today I didn't I didn't think he. I didn't think he was, I'll be honest. Um, my only question is, um, they have a, is it Taiwan Taylor they have as a speed? Taiwan Taylor, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, because they need a speed element, because I watched this one show, uh, Gotta Watch the Tape, and uh, Ellis mentioned that um, Spancy's offense needs a speed guy to work, so if you don't think people, people Jones is a guy, would it be Taylor, I guess? I'm just, that's just throwing that out there. That's all I had. Thank you. Thank you, Tyson. I did not expect to get a, a Taewon Taylor uh, reference today, but uh, but look, I, you know, maybe that's that's one of the things that they have to uh, have to take a look at. Um, you know, I don't think he's going to make anybody forget uh, Odell Beckham or whoever, but you know, I guess if they're looking for that speed element, maybe kick return game too, he could help. I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see how they're going to ultimately address this uh, when they have to make that roster decision on Odell Beckham. I will say, I think, I think they are five and two. I mean, that they're five and two. the two games they lost, they got hammered by better teams and they've won some close games. How many of these games have we sat through? I could think of at least three that I thought they would have lost before. Um, you know, this being one, obviously, I thought they would have lost that Washington game in the past because remember they were up 17 to seven, then they're down 20 to 17. I don't care if Haskins is a quarterback or who they lost to these guys. Was it Brandon Allen? I never even heard of these people. They, they lost to a duck. So, <laughs> you know, and to be ser- I mean, really serious, you know, and, and maybe even the Dallas game. So, by the way, Denzel Ward, didn't he make the big interception in that one, if I remember? He did. He made the game-ending pick. So, on that point, I'm going to sign off and go back to scribble. But I, I haven't got a chance to scribble about being 5-2 and two for a long time, like maybe ever. So, <laughs> I'll catch you guys later. All right. Thanks, Harry. Doug, you were going to say something? I think it's interesting. I feel like a lot of people that were believing in Baker were hanging it on his rookie year. And I feel like this is a new thing to hang something on that, that if he hits a bad stretch again, it's like, well, you're going to give up on him. What about 22 for 22? Right. It was like, this was another moment. It bothers me when I watch, when I can see Ellis's face, when I'm talking, he's always looking out of the side of his eye at me, but it's like, you hadn't had this for a while. You sort of had okay Baker and you had bad Baker, but you hadn't really seen confident, carry the team for a long time baker 
And it's, it's, it, I think it's, I think this changes the conversation, honestly, because all we do is talk about Baker because that's what fans want to talk about because it's so important. I think at least for a little while, this changes how people look at him because you have current proof again of what, what he can look like when it's really going well. Ellis, were you thinking something? Yeah. Doug's <laughs> right in the sense that it is something me, specifically myself has not seen from Baker Mayfield uh, since I've joined this Browns beat. I, I really think there's a lot to feel good about in that final drive. Like I said, a, a coach cannot protect their quarterback with scheme when the game's on the line with no timeouts, but this is the Bengals defense. And I will leave it at that because you still have to beat who you play. And if Baker doesn't go out and win this game, then the conversation is completely different. And that is unfair to take away from this young man right now. But this is the Bengals defense. And if the goal is to eventually win this division, we'll have that conversation later. But for now, yes, Doug is right. This is a stepping stone and in the right direction. Right. I, I think this speaks to sort of the point Doug was making last week too, about, you know, the Bengals were kind of, they were the team in front of you. They were a team you had to beat. Eventually, look, Baker's going to have to do this against Pittsburgh. He's going to have to do this against Baltimore. But he didn't have to do it against those teams today. He had to do it against Cincinnati, uh, and, and he did it. Uh, I'm going to bring Hayden back on. He has something he wants to say, and we're, uh, we're getting close to wrapping up here. So, Hayden, once I unmute you, or once you get that prompt, go ahead and unmute and go ahead. All right. Do you guys see any possible <coughs> – sorry uh, – any possible trade – trade deadline acquisitions like a deep threat, like a Wolf Fuller or a possible defensive player that will help us out a little, little bit for the time being, kind of like a one-year rental. I think they're going to be aggressive. I mean, that's Andrew Barry's nature. I also wouldn't expect them to give up any real high-valued draft assets. Um, I, I just don't think they have a taste for that unless it's someone who's really, really good and that you could control for a little while. Um, you know, look, I would have loved to have seen him get back in on uh, Yannick and Gakwe again. Right. But um, you know, you have to sort of figure out where you are as a franchise. I think we know this team so far is good enough to beat the Bengals, good enough to beat the Redskins, or Redskins, the Washington football team. Uh, you know, when they play Oakland next week, they should be good enough to, you know, beat the Raiders, be competitive with the Raiders. Um, but, you know, they aren't at the level of Baltimore. They aren't at the level of Pittsburgh. So I don't think they're going to be quite that aggressive. And I think they, those draft picks are so valuable to this organization, especially because I think as we saw today, they're going to have to really sort of build this defense up and it's going to have to be through draft assets. Also, did I call the Raiders Oakland or did I say Las Vegas? I think you said Oakland. I did the twofer. <laughs> I, did, I did the Redskins and the Oakland. It, it does feel like I'd rather see him get defense than offense. I don't think the Odell injury means that you go get an offensive player, uh, but it, it does feel like there might be teams having fire sales. So if the Vikings are selling, I think you got to sniff around. If the Jets are selling, I think you got to sniff around. And Ronnie Harrison felt like he made some plays today, right? That that was a guy that is, is a solid player that you got for a draft pick right before the season that wasn't too steep of a price. So I, it does feel like maybe there, there would be a defensive player out there in the back seven that they wouldn't have to spend too much draft capital on that, that could help this team right now. So here's the problem with the trade market is when you, when you trade for guys around this time of year, um, you're either doing it for one 
year rentals or half season rentals like in Gakwe because you'll get a comp pick or you're doing so with the intention that they'll be on your team long term because you probably have to sign them to a contract extension. Um, that will be the case with Anthony Harris of the Vikings, the safety. If he gets moved, um, Michael Gallup, Cowboys receivers, another guy just off the top of my head since um, that insider brought up Will Fuller. I think that's interesting. And that's why I think there won't be a trade like that because this, this front office is, they don't need to make a knee jerk reaction right now. They probably know that they're not competing with the Steelers and Ravens yet. That's a two, three year thing. So like Dan said, build through the draft, remain patient, find the discounts later on and don't overpay for a Will Fuller, a Gallup or an Anthony Harris, and then have to make a contract decision. You don't really want to make either way. They're, they're, they're in no rush here. And it's going to have to be a great deal for them to, to pull the trigger, especially on defense where they've had plenty of time to make moves to upgrade. They, I mean, the safeties have had issues all season. It's not like this is something new, um, you know, and I think having Harrison kind of step in is going to help, but I don't, I'd be surprised if there's some sort of big move in the secondary considering we're, you know, seven games in now. All right. Uh, Browns 37, 34 winners over the Bengals here in Cincinnati, probably the, uh, most exciting game of the year, probably the most fun game of the year. It felt like a little bit of a, a big 12 game out there, sort of like what, what happened in Dallas. Uh, a lot of back and forth. Joe Burrow's really good. Baker Mayfield made us feel really good about this team as well. Uh, it is the Las Vegas Raiders next week. I'm going to need one of those shot collars, like what dogs have when they try to cross the invisible fence. I need one of those. The Las Vegas Raiders and John Gruden uh, coming to town next Sunday. And of course, we will have our post-game show our football insider subscribers afterwards. So if you're listening to this and you want to get involved in this, all you have to do is go to cleveland.com slash Browns. There's a big blue banner at the top of the page. You can't miss this, miss it. Check out the details up there and get signed up so you can join our insider zoom. And I got to say, uh, even though we didn't hear from B guard today, uh, I really enjoy having him there in the corner of my screen, just seeing him react to everything. It makes these, uh, these post-game Zooms absolutely fantastic. So for everybody who jumped on, there was Mary Kay, Terry, of course, Ellis, Scott, and Doug. I am Dan. Thanks for listening.